listening to UWA Alumni's Pursue Inclusion podcast series. Thanks for downloading this episode. UWA is committed to an inclusive society where every life is respected as unique and valuable. Visit our website at pursueinclusion.uwa.edu.au to see how you can join with others in the UWA community to create positive change. Welcome to another episode of the UWA Pursue Inclusion Podcast Initiative. Today on this show, I have the pleasure of talking to Alicia Kumar. Hi, Alicia. How are you? Hi, James. I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm awesome. So I'm just going to do a quick brief introduction of Alicia here. Alicia is the CEO and founder of the Love Foundation Australia. And essentially, if you know, Alicia, Alicia and I were talking before, this is essentially a way to partner with um, using the arts as a way to fight poverty, and it's a nonprofit as well. And I'll let you explain that better than myself. So if you could just quickly give the audience uh, a brief overview of what exactly is this Love Foundation? Sure, absolutely. I love talking about it. So Love Foundation Australia works to fight poverty through the arts. So we believe by harnessing the power of creativity, we can essentially empower international developing communities while simultaneously unearthing local artists back home. So we aim to foster inclusion through our three main pillars, which are fighting poverty, promoting the arts and spreading love. We've currently partnered with Opportunity International Australia to work really closely with the community of Watu Hadang in Sumba, Indonesia, uh, to provide microfinance loans to mothers there. And while we work with them, we generate funds for this community by working with local artists uh, to provide a, a stage for them to showcase their work, whether that be through live music events, art shows, fashion shows. Um, and at the same time, we want to make sure we're engaging young people at the same time to get involved with a not-for-profit and also feel like they can make a difference, um, even if they don't have a of money or they don't have a lot of time as well. So when you say give microfinancing to women in Indonesia, what does that financing go for? Is it for their artwork to be sold somewhere else or to develop their artwork or what is it for? So the idea is that we use the arts locally back home to generate the funds, but the loans uh, given to the mothers in uh, Sumba, Indonesia, are for them just to start a small business for themselves. So that doesn't have to be art related. So about approximately 70 Australian dollars is enough for a mother there to start their own business. So I've been on the field and, you know, they do things like set up a small shop, set up a, a small sewing business. Uh, one mother made fish balls and sold those. Another set up a small grocery store outside of outside yeah. of a home so they do quite a simple thing they're, they're very innovative a lot of these women have never had an education all they want to do is just give their children education and they will do whatever they can uh, with their small business and that you know $70 loan to, to achieve that so it's pretty it's pretty inspiring what these mothers can do and it's also pretty inspiring um, just the, the amount of artists and, and young people that are willing to get involved locally to to help you know in a developing community and people they're probably never going to meet um, but they are so passionate about you know making a difference in the world so yeah so before before we dive into to the questions mm-hmm. about you know inclusion specifically for this mm-hmm. initiative can you tell me why you're so passionate about this I think for me um, a passion for kind of human rights and international development started really young so when I went to India at 14 I saw firsthand you know children living in slums and I thought this is so unfair why you know do I get this amazing childhood and they're, and they're stuck here and I think since then 
I've always wanted to try and, and do something. And it wasn't until I came to university and had this opportunity to set Love Foundation up that I felt, okay, this is my time to, to give back. I mean, I've had an education, I'm going to university. I might not be able to do a lot, but I can at least, I can do this. So I think for me, it's my way of giving back um, to people that are probably never gonna be able to help themselves. That's awesome. All right, well, let's, <laughs> let's, let's dive into these questions. Um, and to learn more mm -hmm. about you and your thoughts around inclusion. So, sure. you know, one of the things I think is really is really kind of a truism, and, and I don't know how true this is necessarily in Australia, but as an American, this is very true, is that, you know, currently we're kind of in this world where discord really just gets all the headlines, right? And so, mm -hmm. so do you believe that most people in the world really want inclusion, or do you think they enjoy the discord? <laughs> Yeah, th this is interesting. I think I think you are so right. And I mean, we're just looking at the political landscape right now. We've got constant politics of demonization. We see Trump breeding, you know, division and fear. We've got Duterte. We've got Marine Le Pen. We've got people like this who, you're right, they get the headlines, they get the attention. And it does seem like people do want to be divided. Um, I mean, even recently, we've got Catalonia wanting independence. Yeah. <laughs> we've got the refugee crisis. We've got Brexit. It is this constant, every week there's something new, especially in this last year. But I do I do think that sometimes it, it does seem easier to just kind of go along with the division, take a side, um, you know, have an opinion and just stick to it. And I think the problem is people also love to get on the bandwagon with things. They hear one opinion or one news piece and they go, yep, that's my opinion or, yep, I believe them or, or that side. And I think people really need to start challenging it. And I think people do want to challenge it. They just need to educate themselves. They need to become more engaged global citizens. I know it's a buzzword, but I do believe <laughs> it. And I think that people, they do, they need to, they need to, okay, understand what's going on, but be educated on what's going on and don't pick a side. And if you hear someone say something that is divisive or is racist or is is not, you think is not quite right, you know, speak up, say something about it. Um, because if we continue to let this division, you know, get worse and worse, you know, the division will continue. And I genuinely don't think people want it. I think it's just more a matter of people not having the energy or or not taking the time to, to stop it. So I think if we do, you know, educate ourselves, and, and I think people are willing to, it's just a matter of people making the effort to, to do that. Awesome. So then I guess, you know, based on that answer then, why do you think we actually need inclusion? I think the reason we need inclusion is without it, I mean, what, what's going to happen to us? Um, I think we've already seen what has happened when division is, is prevalent in these, in these countries or division even is prevalent in, in small communities and it's, it's really dangerous and it's actually quite scary. So I think... We've already seen that within the last, well, what month are we in? In the last 10 months already we've seen that. And I think people are realising that it's it's not okay. And I think slowly we will we will get to a point where we go, okay, enough's enough. Yeah, Let, let's you, all come back together. But don't you think, like, I feel like sometimes, you know, um, we're, we're, we, we in this society, especially, well, globally, it doesn't have to be any Western or non-Western, globally, that we're kind of like this you're either with me or against me mentality and and so like i guess that leads me to the question of why is inclusion personally important to you then why not have your own with me and against me mentality i guess for me 
when I think of inclusion, and this might be because of my experience at Love Foundation, but I think of social and financial inclusion. So I think of inclusion going right back to the core of without inclusion, we are never going to be able to eradicate extreme poverty. We're never going to be able to in include people at the, you know, the bottom rungs of society to, to break out of this cycle. So for me, that's why I'm personally so passionate about inclusion and why I think we can't just turn our backs on people. We can't just continue to see this, you know, divide, even in the sense of the divide between the rich and the poor continue. Um, we, we need to engage and we need to be aware of it. So for me, that's why I'm so passionate about inclusion and making sure through my work or through my everyday um, actions, I can, you know, foster inclusion in some way. Um, well, okay. So that's, I think that's awesome. So then how do you do that in the work you do? So I guess in, in the work we do with Love Foundation, I mean, microfinance is also called financial inclusion. So that's one way that I do it through that. And then for me, the, the, oh, the, fine, the other... fine, fine, fine. I, I mean, I just fine. do this on the, on the, my day to day. <laughs> but for me, the other huge thing is social inclusion in the sense of engaging young people. Uh, I think that there are so many young people out there that do have the talent and the drive uh, to make a difference in their societies. They want to solve these big problems. Problems, but we are not engaging them and we're not including them in the conversation enough, I think. So for me, I would really like to, I guess, you know, be not a champion for young people, but I guess be a role model in the sense that I want young people to see what I've done and say, you know what, you can also do what I've done as well. It's it's not impossible. Um, you, you can, you know, start your own movement. You can get involved with things. So for me in my day-to-day, -day, I guess, work with Love Foundation, I would say I try and foster inclusion and I try and, and include people as well. So within my own organisation, for example, I make sure that within our 60 volunteers, we've got people from diverse backgrounds. We've got different ages, different genders, different subjects, different groups. And I think that's just as important as well as not just saying, oh, I'm only going to take people in my organisation from this group of people or with these skill set. I want a really diverse range and I want to include as many young people as possible in having that opportunity. So can I, can I ask you a question then? And so is, is your, your background, and I'm just guessing on your last name, is Indian, right? Uh, Sri Lankan. Sri Lankan, Sri Lankan. sorry. Sri Kumar yeah. sounds very Indian. <laughs> That's fine. So it's okay. I apologize. So I guess my question then is, and the reason why I asked that question is, did you always feel included or the sense of inclusion when you were growing up? Yeah, it's funny. I, I have had this question before. I think I've always been quite lucky in the sense that my mum's actually Australian and my dad's um, Malaysian Sri Lankan. So even though I've got a last name that is, I guess, diverse, I actually do look quite Western. Um, so I guess for me, I've never actually experienced racism firsthand or felt excluded, but there has definitely been times where I do think people make assumptions on my last name. I know that, for example, well, my mum, Mrs. Did, Kuma. Right? Like I just <laughs> well, exactly, did. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah. My mum, my Mrs. Kuma, is a blonde woman, but people often you know, make very odd assumptions about her background and, and why her last name is what it is. So, yeah, I, I haven't experienced it personally, which I'm very thankful for, but I, I do know a lot of friends with, with similar last names and do look Indian. They get it all the time. Yeah. I, and that's why I was asking that question because you know you're clearly you're clearly passionate about this concept of inclusion, and so I kind of got myself thinking. All right, when you have a diverse last name or a last name that seems less Western esque and more yeah. Indian Malaysian esque, <laughs> you know, there's that assumption of 
your background, your history of who you are as a person. So that's kind of where that question was born from. So yeah, no, no, absolutely, no, and yeah. I do, I do get it. <laughs> I bet your, I bet your mom gets it a lot. I mean, she's blonde and like last name. Oh, I mean, when <laughs> I mean, she, everyone thought we were adopted when we were kids. She got quite upset about that because we looked nothing like her. <laughs> <laughs> well, because you've got really dark hair, right, and like olive skin. I mean, I even went through a time where I thought I was adopted. I just looked nothing yeah. like either of my parents. <laughs> I'm a bit confused, <laughs> but excluded from my own family. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be included with the blonde hair. <laughs> so, all right, awesome. So, one more question for you, uh, and thanks for your time. Uh, many, many people really never go beyond this concept of diversity, right? Like, at, yeah. at, at UWA and at many organizations, they really talk about this concept of we want a diverse workforce, and that's great, right? But they don't really go, <laughs> it is a great buzzword, but they don't really go beyond that and think about the idea of inclusion. And so I guess the, the bigger question, the more macro question is, how do we create a society that does more than just accept the differences, right? Like you're different than I'm different. And we take it to the next level and we really get people to engage constructively with each other and embrace the differences as part of that, meaning... I want to know more about your culture and understand more of that culture and, and take something on from that culture. I mean, here's a great example for me here in the Middle East. You know, men often, and I know this may sound weird in a Western society, men often hold hands, right? Um, and so I have work colleagues who are from a lot of Middle Eastern countries, and my boss, my direct boss, always will grab my hand when he's talking to me to make a point. And it's never more than just a cultural context of, of how they communicate. Now, I could I could easily put up a wall, right, and be like, what are you doing? Don't do it, and feel freaked out. Or I, I embrace and include that that's part of who he is and his identity and kind of um, engage in that to assimilate myself within their culture, if that makes sense. So... That's just an example how I, how I kind of see it. No, yeah, it, it's funny you you mentioned that example. I was actually, I'm reading a book right now called Multicultural Manners, and it's about learning all the different um, you know things that different cultures do, and and not just learning about them and going okay, but actually learning about them, taking them on, recognizing them, and trying to implement them in your everyday life. Um, and there was a lot of funny things like that that people do that. Yeah, I guess. And one of the one of the things they said, and one of the things I thought was quite interesting, is people often go, "Oh, well, you know, their people are coming to my country. They should, you know, follow the way we do things. I'm not changing the way I act to, to fit in with them." And I think that that's where we go wrong. That's where a lot of people go wrong. And I think yeah, that is, it's a it's a huge question. And I actually think it is quite simple. All we need to do, and I think this, the the best thing we can do and continue to do is just be curious. I think people think of different cultures and diversity. And they go, oh, I've got to learn. Just be curious and and ask questions. I think we should never assume. And and until the day we die, we should never assume we know everything. <laughs> um, every day you can learn something new. Every person you meet, whatever country they're from, whatever the culture, even if they're the same culture, there's always something different about them. Uh, we should constantly be asking questions. We should constantly be building our knowledge, uh, whether that's, you know, visiting other countries or if we can't visit those other countries, watch documentaries on those countries, read about them um, and, and build, I think you're right, building our acceptance of different cultures. It is, it's, a, it's inevitably going to lead to a more inclusive 
uh, society because when we, we create an interest in ourselves and in create, you know, a curiousness about differences and similarities between our culture and another, it's actually really fun. Um, it, it's, it's quite a fun game to play, especially when you are in a different country. I know when I was on exchange in Italy and, and Spain and it's, it's the best way to actually make friends is you go, oh, in, my, in Australia we do this, what do you do here or what do your parents do with this or and it, it's I think we just need to make it a little bit more lighthearted just be curious and just be open-minded to, to learning um, from people so I know it's there's probably lots of different solutions as to what we should be doing but I think at the end of the day if everyone just steps back and goes okay I'm just going to be curious today or I'm just going to go through life and be curious and be open to learning then I think um, we will get a greater appreciation for people, cultures, and, and, and countries. Well, and I just want to add to that. I think the other thing about it that's really important is be, be okay with being uncomfortable. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's a new feeling, um, yeah. but, yeah, it's, you, you can learn a lot from that as well. Awesome. Well, Alicia Kumar, thank you for your time, energy, and willingness to sit down <laughs> with me on the Pursue Inclusion UWA Initiative podcast. Great. Thank you for having me. (laughs) We hope you enjoyed listening to UW Alumni's Pursue Inclusion episode. Make the commitment to leave no one behind by taking part in our movement towards an inclusive society. Stand up for inclusion on November 4th. Details on the website pursueinclusion.uwa.edu.au.